0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And let's talk about remaining in a right side up, remaining right side up in an upside down world. Any of y'all fish? So you know what a bobber or a cork is. If you buy one from a regular store, it's, it's multicolored or bicolored. It's red and white. And the funny thing is, the same color always goes under the water, and the other color stays on top. If that ever happens, and it's upside down, you know what that means? If it ever goes underwater, you know what that means—you got a fish. It's a simple thing, but the, the upside-down world that we're living in is nothing more than devil has got a bunch of fish on his line. Let's talk about that. First John chapter two. Let's read verses 24 through 29. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye uh, have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we might have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him there was a conflict in a synagogue, and actually the rabbi was at odds with the congregation, and so the president of the synagogue came to the rabbi and said, listen, we've got 12 leaders out of the congregation in the synagogue, and we want to discuss the issues at hand. So little did the rabbi know that everybody else had already talked about it and developed their point of view, and so his point of view really had no chance. So they carried out the charade anyway, and They had lots of discussion and issues, and the president of the synagogue stood up at the end of their discussion and said, it's time for a vote. It's time for a vote. The majority is going to rule, and everybody said, okay, we agree to that. They cast their votes, and the president informed the rabbi he had been outvoted 12 to 1. The majority had spoken. Immediately, there was this deafening clap of thunder Accompanied by this brilliant flash of lightning. The room was filled with smoke. And all that were there were thrown to the floor except for the rabbi. He was the only one, remained untouched, unscathed. The president of the synagogue slowly rose up. His hair was singed. Glasses were hanging down from one ear. Clothes were charred. He said, all right, so it's 12 to 2. But we still have the majority. And, and that's the approach, and, and many of you know what? The majority is going to rule. We don't care Who intervenes, even God. You know, one of the things Bishop can attest to this. One of the things that, uh, that are taught to scuba di- divers is that you can become disoriented underwater. And so you you may not know what's up and what's down once you get there. And so they basically teach them to something very simple. Dispel a little bit of air. Watch the bubbles. That's common sense, right? But you know, when you're disoriented, what happens generally when you're disoriented? Anybody in here ever been disoriented in your life? I have. I wasn't scuba diving, but I was disoriented. When you become disoriented, you lose what? Perspective. The perspective and the capacity of the situation you're in. There, there have been many a diver that's drowned because they became disoriented, and because they became disoriented, they couldn't think of simply. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think it'd be simple to go, just blow some airs and watch them and follow them up? And yet, many divers have actually di- drowned because of that, because that's what happens when you become disoriented, and it's the same thing and and even more spiritually. And that's what John's writing to the to, to the listeners here about. That's the people that are reading this. That are he's writing. They're writing about the fact that there are seducers that have come in and they're trying to disorient you. They're trying to disorient you about what you believe. Uh, as we read the scriptures, John's telling his reader, readers, "Listen, uh, it's easy to become confused when there are seducers, and there are always seducers in your life." there's spiritual seducers there's physical seducers there's always seducers in your life so he <clears throat> he said he he had he had a must and a desire to discuss this world systems you know world systems have always been around have you ever noticed that from the very beginning the world creates its systems and it governs itself by its systems and it wants to govern you by its systems and there's corruption and how systems of the world and corruptions of the world confuse Christians. The systems of the world and the corruption of the world confuse us. Let me just throw something out at you. That, that With the recent events that have happened, the world system brings about a certain discernment or direction they want us all to take. And the problem is, It can be confusing to a Christian. Why? Because it's not Christian. And so we think, well, you know how I know that? Jesus, when he came, he had a battle with the disciples in a constant. His disciples were always calling Jesus, get that army together. Come on. We're going to take these Romans down. We're going to set this kingdom up, and we're going to rule. Come on, Jesus. That was constant in Jesus' life. But Jesus had to constantly say, them, listen, we're not militant. That's not what we're here for. The church of Jesus Christ is not militant. We are a military. We're an army, but we're not militant. And there is a difference because militant comes out of emotion, whereas the military comes out of direction. Military, if you've ever been around anybody, has been, or if you've been in the military life, it's very directional. They tell you when to eat, sleep, brush your teeth, go to the restroom, when to do what, all of that. But militants aren't that way. They, they evolve in any situation out of emotion. Therefore, in the situation that's governing our world in our, right now and our country, it's easy, and I've already encountered Christians that have become militant. They want to take a militant action against what's going on rather than a military action. You see, we have, the weapons of our warfare are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds, but they have nothing to do with physical work whatsoever. It's all a spiritual thing. And yet I've encountered Christians that want to physically go do this to stop this. And Jesus said, that's not what we're doing here. But you see how easily the things of this world can seduce or confuse A Christian. Yeah, and that's the predominance of what's going on now is fear. One thing after another has happened this year, but but the predominance in it is fear. fear. It's fear. It's fear. And and fear is not of God, we know that. But understand this, there there are systems of the world and there, there are corruptions of the world that confuse us if we're not careful and understand we're not militants, but we're in God's military, we're in his army. You see, if you look at the lives of those, if you go back in history and look at the lives of those that John's talking to here, their world had literally been turned upside down. It had been turned upside down. The Jews that he was talking to were Jews that had been long awaiting a Messiah. Now a Messiah has come, and they received him as Messiah, and they're, now they're worshipped. So that, their whole world was turned upside down. Think about this a second. Going from mo, the Mosaic law, from, the, from, from all of that, turning all over the law and going into the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. Man, talk about turning your world upside down. The Gentiles... The Gentiles, man, they had this myriad of gods. They had a God for everything, everything. And now they're turned around, they've come to Jesus Christ, and they're serving one true God. So now their world is upside down. You, you see what's happened in their life? Everybody's lives turned upside down. John recognized this, the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, you know, listen, now there are those that are coming in and trying to confuse you. They're trying to confuse you. Both worlds have been turned upside down, and that's where you remember Jesus said there will be many Christs, and Paul spoke of many antichrists. Those are those seducers that are coming in and trying to, when they see a world upside down, seduce. You know, our world is much like their world was then. Think about this a second. Their world, just the early church, upside down. All the things have been flipped, and all these, our world's kind of like that now, isn't it? Our world has been turned upside down in the last few months just this year. And things happen so rapidly and change so rapidly. You know, if you go buy a computer now, three months obsolete. Three months, it's obsolete. Not just not, it's obsolete. In in, in our world today, it just, just makes sense. The world applauds blatant homosexuality in every form. Doesn't matter, every form. While they abhor someone that has a genuine faith. I talk about upside down. We've cloned sheep. How long is it going to be if we haven't already done it, cloned humans? Because the Japanese claim they've already done it. Talk about an upside down world. Criminals and villains are assailed and made heroes. While true heroes are castigated. Our world's upside down. So how do we stay on the right side upside of the upside down? How do we do that? Well, verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. There's the key. Many people have started in the beginning, but truth didn't remain in them. What they heard and the teachings that they got didn't remain in them. And he said, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. So the first thing you got to do is remain in what you've been taught. Remain in it. That doesn't mean you don't grow. That doesn't mean that you don't focus and and, and increase your knowledge. But remain in the very basic truth of what was established from the beginning. Many in this world are going to tell you what you should believe. I don't know when the last time I watched the news or listened to it, I just quit doing it. Because they're telling us what they want us to believe. Now, I'm talking biblically. Biblically not Democratic or Republican, they're telling us what they want us to believe. The rights that certain people have because it's their body. The rights that certain people have because it's their life. The right, they're telling us what, and it's continually, continually. Uh, And at worst, they're telling us what we do believe is incorrect. Not only are they telling us another way to believe, but they're saying, listen, sorry, but you know what you've believed all your life? not correct they'll tell you there's many ways to god do you know there are christian organizations that do that christian that tell you there are many ways to god believe what you will you know the early church was facing the same dilemma this this is not a new thing and john tells them stay on course stay on course you watch the the uh, twenty six mile marathons that they a few years back. Somebody got off course, and they they made the marathon in record time. Pardon? Yeah, yeah. You you know when you get off course, <laughs> record time. Sometimes we're not careful. We get off course because we think we're going to play. We're going to make it in God in record time. We're, we're going to go beyond. We have to stay on course. S- stay on course. What, what it says is what it says. Remain faithful to what you've been taught. God and his word are, it's a, God's word's a mighty fortress. It's a stronghold. It's a stronghold that's a good stronghold. It's a stronghold that's got foundation to it, Feed on it. It's the only place we have to go to take refuge in this upside-down world. There is, listen, there's nowhere else in this world you can go if you want to remain upside and not upside-down is God's Word. Nothing else. There's nothing else. We, we, we have come down, you know, in the early parts of our society, you know, in the beginning, our country had a solid foundation where you could go to places and there were people that would be straight and tell you the truth. We don't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. There were, there were nowadays it's, there were lodges that men uh, had that they went there and their whole thing was to bring everybody in their local city or it, sometimes it wasn't even a city and into that lodge so they could discuss the issues of their environment, of their you know what's going on with the people so that they could get a straightforward answer. You think that would happen today? We call that a town hall meeting. You ever been to a town hall meeting? That's a joke. It's there yeah, but they're even before those, even before the moose and the elk and all those things, even before that. It's just what they did because it was good biblical principle. Now, yeah, it's nothing more than people getting a mic and shouting. Go to a town hall, go go try one. And whoever can talk the loudest and uh so The first thing we have to do is stand fast with what we've been taught. John writes to remain faithful to what you know is true. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Yeah, there's there's a powerful verb in there. Make you free. We've just read verse 24. Let's go to verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So John is saying here, remain in fellowship with God. Not only do you stick with what you know is true, but remain in fellowship. This is a simple thing that, sadly to say, is not practiced very much in Christianity. And that's fellowshipping with God. Do you know what it means to Fellowship. The word fellowship means to participate. It's a joint sharing. If I'm going to fellowship with you, I've got to participate with you, and it's a joint sharing. If I'm going to fellowship with God, it's a participation. God's participating, but we have to participate. It's a joint sharing. To participate in the kingdom of God means we participate in this fellowship thing. It's an active and current action. It's an active and current. You ever had that deal? They send you in the mail. You, have, you failed to keep your membership current, so you're out the club now? Yeah. So sadly, there's no Christians that live that way. They, they failed to keep their membership current. <clears throat> Everybody take a deep breath and hold it until I tell you to release it. Some of you have already breathed. How long could you last that way? You can only hold your breath for so long. Listen, we, we, we have to, the fellowshipping is a participation. If you don't participate in breathing, are we done? Yeah, you're done. You can let go. If you don't participate in your breathing, if you hold your breath, you're going to pass out. Oh, I just naturally participate in my breathing. Lungs are an automatic function, aren't they? Take a deep breath and hold it. No. You take a deep breath and hold it, what have you done to your lungs? You've ceased the automatic function. Your heart's an automatic function, right? But you can't do to your heart what you can... Well, you can, but then it's over. I mean, if you stop your heart, it's over, right? So you want your heart to participate in its automatic function, don't you? You want your lungs to participate in their automatic function, don't you? God wants us to participate in an automatic function. It's constant and it's current. It's what keeps us alive. It's what keeps us alive. If we don't, if we don't keep that fellowship, what happens is we begin to pale and, and fall away. Many many professing Christians only exist. They're not participating. They're not jointly. They're just existing in a kingdom. They're not participating in a kingdom. In the old kingdom, if you didn't participate in a kingdom, you know what they did? In the old days of kingdoms, they didn't put you out the gate. You were a misuse of life. (laughs) <laughs> they just did away with you. Many professing Christians only existing live by practical purposes, but they're dead inside. They live by practical purposes. What do I mean by that? They go through the motions. I know I'm supposed to do this, and I know I'm supposed to do that, and, I know, and these are all good things that I'm supposed to do, and but inside there's no life. There's no life. That's how their world becomes upside down, because they haven't learned, number one, they haven't learned to stand fast to their truth, to what they've been taught, and they haven't had that functional relationship with God. Listen, failing to participate in your faith will allow every wind of doctrine, every change to sweep into your life. If you're not actively participating with God in prayer and word, listen, I, it's, it, it's a fearful world today. Because there's too many, 50 years ago, if I was out of the Word for a while, there wasn't too much outside influence. But today, the outside influence has gone so great that if I'm a day without the Word, there's an outside influence. It's either on the television, it's on the radio, it's on the computer, it's somewhere. It's somebody. And so I need to be aware, very aware, every day. Uh, Yeah, if, you, if, you fail, if you fail to participate in your faith, it allows every wind of doctrine to come along and sweep you away. Sweep you away. I'm surprised and shocked at some very close friends of mine that have been swept away in other winds of doctrine. Pastors that have been swept away in winds of doctrine. What do you mean? Well, they saw, well, I need my church to grow, and if I preach that truth, it's not going to grow. So I, it's not that I don't believe that, but I just won't preach that. That's a doctrine. That's a teaching. He has now taught himself how to fill a church without truth. If you want to continue in fellowship with God, you've got to participate. You've got to participate. It's It's a must. If you want to keep breathing, you if you want to keep living, you, it's fellowship with him that keeps your world right side up and not upside down. If you stay in fellowship, he says right here when Jesus returns, not only will you not be embarrassed. It makes you wonder here because if you look at the scripture that if we abide in him when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. You know, I'd, I'd hate to know. I don't know if it's possible that when Jesus comes and, you know, I'm embarrassed that, you know, you know God really hadn't been doing what I... If you stay in fellowship, listen, you're going to reap an eternal fellowship. Verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Remember, remember the truth that you've been taught. Stay in fellowship. With him, and don't forget, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what he's writing here to these people that that are having these outside sources, these seducers that are coming in, and their upside down world and the change that's happening in their life. That's what's going on here. And he said, "Listen, don't forget, you've got the very living God living inside of you. The Holy Ghost leads and guides us into all truth. So many times." People will try to understand something without direction from God's Spirit. You ever read Scripture, and you try to understand it, and you don't understand it? And so what do most modern-day Americans do? Google it. Google it. Because on Google, they'll tell me what it means. Ah, now we've got a wind of doctrine here that we're not even... up, up, ups. Or, you know, here, here, here's another one. I'll just, you know, I'll go to commentaries. There's nothing wrong with commentaries. But listen, if you're trying to understand something, go to a commentary. But listen, that's not God's law, a commentary. That's somebody's comments on it. That's the next one. Call Bishop. Now, that's better than a commentary or Google. Okay, but understand something. God filled you with the Holy Ghost for many reasons, but one of them is to lead and guide you into all truth. There's nothing wrong with stopping at a. If you, I don't understand it, stop for a second, Lord. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, help me to understand here. Oh, that's a little too religious, Don. Try it. Try it. It's amazing when you just allow God's Spirit to speak into your to your life, to your heart. God, uh, this is something I don't get. Can, can you expose me to something? The Holy Ghost will lead you. Here's, here, here, this might throw you. The Holy Ghost will lead you to a particular person or commentary or place on Google that'll give you something that'll lead you further down. But if we're not relying on the Holy Ghost, if we're not relying on God to lead us and guide us, that's that fellowship thing. You ever thought about this? It's the spirit of god that's inside of you? I, I had asked uh, this yeah, that wish of alert 'cause
0: I was seeing one person in particular. Um, you know, do I, I I know I'm commanded to love them, but do I have to like them too? And and <laughs>
1: I'm going to throw a bishop at you. We, we do have to love each other, but we don't have to like you. I don't like myself a lot of times. How can I expect you to like me all the time? That's straight from Bishop 101. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. You know what? We, we, we have to love one another. Because there's a big difference between love and like. It's a big, Yeah. I love chocolate ice cream. That's a whole different... But understand that, we, you know, God himself resides in us. Why would we ignore that? Why would we ignore that? And oftentimes we do. Have you ever had that thing called a gut feeling? Gut feeling, you had a gut feeling about something? Understand this, the Holy Ghost is not a gut feeling. It's a God, it's a God filling. It's not a gut feeling, it's a God filling Yeah, feeling F-I-L-L-I-N-G. I I know I'm East Texan, so they sound like the same word. The Holy Ghost is not a gut feeling. I've gone on gut feelings before. Then I've I've gone on God feeling before. Guess one, which worked out better for me? The God feeling worked out better for me. Because the Holy Ghost is a director of your soul. The Holy Ghost is a, a director of your soul you you have you've, you've seen the deal in the movie, Snap, Cut, when they're making a movie. my, my Both of my nephews do the, uh, y'all see the, the HDTV things, all of the, uh, where they do all of these shows where they remodel stuff and all that stuff. My, my nephews do the lighting and they do the sound and all that stuff. Uh, look, look, Connor, John David and Connor Nolan. The next time you're watching HDTV, look, it's on there. They do that. But it, Nolan, N-O-L-A-N and here they have this funny thing when when we're talking they go cut they want to talk so they understand that that's what a director does action and they use it all the time and it throws you so off guard that they get their words in but but, but understand that 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 we have to understand this about the holy ghost the holy ghost cut Th- that's not a good cut action that's a good place to go man The Holy Ghost is a director of our soul if we'll let him be. The Holy Ghost has purpose in all believers, and that's to keep us right side up in an upside down world. Without the Holy Ghost, you're not going to stay right side up.
0: What does that Mean
1: he said, The red balloon is you when you read my word, but you don't stay in my word. When you fall, and you're easily deflated. You fall, but the yellow balloon, when you read my word, you stay in my word, even when you fall, you're still full of my spirit. Yeah, wow, thought, well, wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and when you hit, you bounce. bounce. <laughs> yeah, you don't, yeah, wow, that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> wow. Let's look at verse 28 again really quick. And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. You understand, the, 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 the last thing we want to talk about, if you want to stay upside in an upside-down world, if you want to stay right-side up, is understand you have a future, not only in this world, but the world to come. Many a person has lost their dream because they forgot their future. Many a person has never achieved their dream because they lost sight of their future. And you have a future, and it's an eternal one. And we often forget that. What we don't talk about enough in, in Christian churches is Jesus coming again. We don't talk enough about that. That You know, that's going to be the most exciting <clears throat> If you knew something was the most exciting thing that was ever going to happen to you earthly, would you not wrap your life around what's going to happen? Sure you would. Because you knew, man, I'm not going to be able to beat that one. That's the top. No, we're not going to be, nobody's going to be able to beat this one. I still like, I had this the other night. I had the Superman dream. Man, I was flying through Albert. Look, and it felt so real. You know, we have a future, and it's it's so far above what we can imagine. If we could just talk about it, you know what? I'm convinced. If I really want to get some ideas about it, I I need to spend a little time with Jesse, because Jesse likes to talk a lot. It's innate in his family. Yeah, I went to I went to his brother. Yeah, but the talking's good, and they talk a lot. You know, they, you know. You bounce stuff off of each other. You, you talk about things. Maybe I never thought about the rapture was going to be like this, but you thought about this. Or, you know, when we go up, are you going to grab my who's the fastest? Or you, Silly things. But you know what? If we don't ever get together and talk about Jesus coming again, we lose sight. Yeah, yeah we'll do a lot. Of, we do a lot of talking when we camp. But we don't do enough talking about Jesus coming again. We, we need to really, really, really talk about that because is it the ultimate? Without that, there's everything else is meaningless. So what if we structure our life around that? You ever thought about structuring your life around? The word rapture is not in the Scripture, but you understand what I'm saying. Structured your life around the rapture? And that's that's a whole new whole new process. What is John saying here? Listen. Stay with what you know, what you've been taught. Uh, understand that. You know, you've got spirit, you've got life, you've got hope, you've got dream, you've got promise, all this stuff. Why would you leave all of that for these income poops over here that are coming here trying to confuse you? Because when we start talking about the good things of Jesus. All the other stuff wanes, doesn't it? When you start talking about the good things of God, everything else in this world, you know what? Uh, $380 million, $1 billion, $10 billion lottery. Rapture. (laughs) Have all the dollar you want. All of the world. You can rule the whole world. It's yours and whatever you say everybody has to do. A rapture. You know what? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to have any extras. Have our focus on His kingdom. Participate with Him. That's what He's after. Bishop, did you?
0: The years I spent as a flight instructor were the best preparation I ever had for the ministry. One of the things that we taught at every level for private pilot commercial, instrument-rated, ATP. And as a student progressed in his learning, you made this more and more complex. And it was called unusual attitude recovery. You put a hood over the head of a, a student and have him bend over and look at the floor so he has no outside reference. You take the airplane, you fly it, you make turns, you bank, you roll it, and then without any reference to outside, he has to look at his instrument panel and come back to straight and level flight. And one of the things that when, when I began to pastor, you deal with different attitudes in people, and so... I've tried to make everything I preach and everything I teach very practical because most Christians lose out at some point when their attitude gets skewed and they have no means of of that recovery. One of the problems in, in, in an aircraft stalling is that whatever the wing that is high, it will fall and you'll go into a flat spin. And the instinct is to pull back on the yoke, which is a wrong thing to do because that tightens the, the spin. So what you have to do is push the yoke forward so you gain speed. If you're spinning left, you use hard right rudder to stop the spin. If you're spinning right, you use hard left rudder to stop the spin. Once the spin stops, then you can ease back on the yoke. You reduce power. turn your power completely off while you're doing all this. Then when you come back to level flight, then you ease back into power. And again, one of the things that I, you know, so many Christians come in not ever anticipating that something is going to happen in their life to disorient them. Mm -hmm. Something is going to occur that completely blows your theology out of the water. And if you don't know how, you know, Paul said that he, he looked at life, death, principalities, powers, things present, things past. He cataloged them all. And he said, I've concluded that nothing that can happen can separate me, not God's love for me, but from me from the love of God. And, and it's just important for every Christian to... Try to look, you know, maybe there's a a Job experience in in front of some of us. You know, how will you handle that? How will you recover from that? Knowing how to deal with just the issues of life is so important as a Christian. Absolutely.
1: I understand there will be seducers. I understand there will be problems. this ain't reality TV it's just reality
0: I mean even as a diver when you go down when you take your open water test you have to take your mask completely off underwater put it back on your head and they teach you how to clear it you have to take your BC your buoyancy compensator completely off your tank lay it in front of you and then be able to put it back on while while you're completely disoriented in the water. I mean, they try to teach for every extent, every extensitency. But, you know, sometimes in the church, we don't do that. Yeah. And it's so important to try to prepare people for the worst day of their life.
1: Would you rather go into a disoriented situation with no knowledge? No. Or with knowledge. knowledge? Pretty simple. Understanding that, with knowledge, you, you you have an opportunity to gain not just survive, but to gain, understand, and become greater than what you are.
0: The epistle of James is one of the most important epistles for every Christian to master because it is the it is the letter of practical Christianity. It teaches practical Christianity. It is incredibly
1: important. That's, that that's uh non- USA Christians. We, we, we don't like that, but that's correct. Practical, practical Christianity.
0: For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to
1: hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app.